The following audio is from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com. So good morning. Good morning and thank you so much for for your love, your care for us, your prayers, your gifts as we've been living in Papua New Guinea. I'd like to say a special thank you, not only for Susan and myself, but also for everyone that's here. We're all so grateful for your part. It's the prayers, it's the gifts, it's even the Christmas cards. Those are such a blessing to get the cards from you guys, the prayers, the just the words of encouragement. We thank you for for sending us, for being with us every part of this journey of taking the message of the Bible to places it hasn't been. So I want to tell a story, and I'm, gonna, I'm going to be showing Hewa pictures up here, telling the Hewa story, but really I'm representing all of these guys, and I'm representing you as a church body because it's you that's made this possible for us to live in Papua New Guinea. I wish I could introduce my whole family to you uh, um, my wife is right here, and you'll definitely want to talk to her as you get opportunity. And our youngest daughter there, we just adopted her a few years back, and she also is here. You'll want to talk to her and listen to a few of your, her stories. But our oldest son, Micah, who was born right here at Yavapai Regional Medical Center in Prescott, is uh, he's finished his education. He's in Phoenix right now working. And our daughter, Michaela, she's uh, right now at Biola University in uh, California. Well, right now she's in Phoenix on break, but she's taking pre-med classes, hoping to be a missionary doctor of some kind, looking for how the Lord's going to lead her. But uh, we were married, Susan and I were married in 1989, right here in Prescott, down by the square at First Baptist Church. And at that time, there was a group of retired couples that said, you know what, we want to start an evangelical free church. And I didn't know anything about it, but they said, we'd like you to come and join us. Help us out. They were retired, and they said, we want some young blood. And well, we were just married at that time, so we, we qualified as young and blood. Louis LeMaster, Louis and Lynn LeMaster were here at that time. They invited us to participate in the church, and so we helped with the, the worship leading and different Bible studies or Sunday school classes or whatever might be going on at the church as it was there on Whipple Road. You might not know that. It started on Whipple. But as we were there in those first days, um, I realized I couldn't make any money working for someone else. So started a little company in those first years where, as they are when you start a company, not making a whole lot of money, but there's promise, and so you work hard, and pretty soon you find out the company owns you. Anybody can relate to that? You thought you owned a little company, but you find out it owns you, and it's bossing you around and taking all your time. And during that time, Susan and I would talk about this idea of going somewhere, taking the message of the cross somewhere. But then at the same time, we were wrapped up in business, and our first and our second child were born, and, and uh, we were caught up kind of in the idea of making some money. And I used to pray about it and kind of battle back and forth Wondering, you know, maybe I could be a missionary, but then no, a better idea is I'll work, make a lot of money, uh, support missionaries, send checks to missionaries, and then maybe uh, retire early, get a pile of cash going on, then retire early, maybe 40 years old or something like that, and then give the rest of my life to, like, uh, supporting missionaries, be kind of self-supporting, be able to travel and do different things. You know what? The Lord was knocking on my heart's door at that time and saying, you know what? Maybe you could be part of taking the message of the cross to a place it's never been. And I'd get excited about it, and I'd talk to people here at Cornerstone. 
But then I would go back to, you know, I, I'll stay in business. I've got to run this thing. It was making uh, 40% better every year, 40% averaging every year better. And uh, I was getting counseled not to, you know, go ahead and keep working this business. It'll get bigger and bigger, and you'll be able to, you know, spend your summers volunteering or whatever. Why am I telling this story? It's because every single one of us has a job to do for the Lord. Is that right? Every single one of us. Now, the beautiful thing is God spreads us out. He wants some of us right here in Prescott. He wants some of us around Arizona. He wants some of us around America. He wants some of us to leave the comfort of America and go to another country. Now, as I'm speaking and telling the Hewa story, I'm representing representing all. I'm trying to encourage you just to, in what you're doing. If you're right exactly where the Lord wants you to be, that's awesome. Do it with all your heart. Do it for the glory of God. But there might be people, and I've got to believe this, there are people right here in this audience that are just like Susan and I were a few years ago. The Lord's knocking on your heart door and maybe saying, maybe there's something else. Maybe you could be part of this effort of taking the message of the cross to a different place. And so I'd like you to pray and listen as I'm speaking and telling the Hewa story. Ask the Lord what part you can take. If you're where you're supposed to be, that's awesome. I'm going to show a short video here, and then we'll get on with telling the rest of the story. Here we are in the rugged mountains. If you'd like to hear from Susan and I as we go back personally, if you'd like to receive our email prayer updates, please be sure and sign up back there. Let us know. Give us your address. I promise I won't sell your email address to someone. You won't be getting weird information. But also the same for everybody that's here. I know they want to hear from you and would love to be able to communicate and let you know what the Lord is doing in their lives. So as I was here in Prescott, Susan and I, and just battling back and forth with this idea of should we go you know, the verse that stuck out to me, the verse that got my attention, was a well-known verse that you probably all have memorized. It's Matthew 6.33, where Jesus says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. You know, I battled with that. He said, Seek ye first the kingdom of God. And I realized this idea of working really hard, saving up a pile of money, and maybe later doing something the Lord, for the Lord wasn't exactly seeking first. It was seeking first my kingdom. Now, I don't say that to belittle anybody at all because, again, God spreads us out and gives us all a different job to do, and your job may be to be right here, but maybe not. Maybe it's to go to another place. So I'm going to tell this story. When we were in, uh, when we were here in Prescott, we started hearing about different people groups all over the world, and we started, Wayne and Diane Baker, we heard stories from Papua New Guinea about these tribes out there. You know, there's over 800 different language groups in Papua New Guinea. And so far, the Bible has been translated into less than 100 of those 800, so 700 language groups waiting for a, someone to come, live with them, learn their language, translate the Bible into their language, teach them the message of the Bible. We heard those stories, and it was gripping, and we just wanted to check it out. We were praying about it. We finally got to the place where we signed up with New Tribes Mission, went to their training. They had a training program at that time in Oregon with our two little kids packed up, I, I'm sure we looked absolutely crazy just leaving the American dream to go do something that we had no idea how it would unfold. So we went to Papua New Guinea. When we got there, we started hearing about the Hewa people, These just a very small group out in the jungle. There's only 2,500 Hewas, but they're scattered across these mountains, this mountain range, and uh, in little hamlets or small villages. So we chartered a helicopter. We got an interpreter to come with us. We flew out to this little spot, to this little village, and we said to these people through interpreters, asked them, why are you asking for missionaries? They'd been asking for seven or eight years. 
Why are you asking? You know what they told us? They said, we're in the darkness of the jungle, but we know you have the message of light. We want you to come and teach us the message of the Bible, the talk, talk, God's talk. And we got excited and we thought, oh, praise the Lord, and we were praying about it. So we went, and in January of 2000, we started moving into this little area, joining this little group. Uh, we cleared some ground. We started the process of building, building houses. We, were, uh, we had three coworkers at the beginning, but us and the Copley family were working together. We started the process of learning this language. First, we had to build houses, and so we praise the Lord for the teams that came and helped us build these houses out there in the jungle. And of course, there wasn't any Lowe's or Home Depot nearby, so there are certain challenges that go with that. But we got our houses up, us and our coworkers, the Copleys, we got our houses finished. And then another team came, other teams, I should say, came and helped us clear an airstrip out of the jungle. Praise the Lord for those guys that came and helped us. And I want to say, just a second here, if you ever have a chance to hop onto a short-term missionary Trip, you know, trip or team or uh, be part of a team that goes somewhere, grab it. It is such a blessing to us as missionaries that are serving over there. So the teams came, helped us get our feet on the ground, get started, and then we turned, then we were turning our attention to full-time language studies, trying to learn this language and found out, oh my goodness, that's harder than you would think. Conversational speech is one thing. You can get conversational speech in less than a couple years where you can talk about going and coming and using the restroom or whatever it is you want to talk about, but getting to the level where you can translate the Bible and teach the message of the Bible, that's another. It took four years to become fluent, to develop those relationships, to learn their culture, to learn how the Hewa people thought. So as we were studying their culture, we finally got to the place in four years where we were able to start translating the Bible. And as you heard in that short video, we started with Genesis, not with the objective of translating the whole Old Testament first, but to lay a foundation so that we could teach who God is, the creator of the universe, the starter, the originator of, this, of everything that they see. So we started in Genesis and worked our way toward the New Testament, hitting on key passages. And, uh, but it, takes no, it makes no sense to translate the Bible, does it? Unless there's people that can read there wasn't any readers. They had never developed an alphabet in their language at all. And so we broke down their language and developed an alphabet. And Susan and our coworker headed this, this project up of teaching the first group how to read and write. And it was 13 students there. We started with a small pilot class and started teaching them how to read and write. And they got it. That first group, they graduated and they were excited. We're working toward the day where we can start teaching the Bible. But these guys were excited. And out of that group, there were some that were especially sharp and had the ability. And so Susan coached them as they started into the second literacy t class, teaching another group how to read and write. And then it's gone on from there, where many have learned how to read and write. So then we had everything in, in place. We wrote out lessons as we had scripture translated. And we started teaching with Genesis and then worked our way through the Old Testament. Key passages there were teaching outside. We had heard and we knew that they had this idea that if they could just do everything right, if they listened to us and our message, this God's talk, if they heard this story just right, then maybe they could, they could uh, become wealthy. We had heard that. We had heard that if they, they had this idea that if they went to church, they built a little church building, and if they had rows, rows, you know, on each side, they had a raised platform in the front and a cross in the back, and, and did everything just right, then 
they would become wealthy. And so because of that, we decided we're not going to meet inside of a building, build a building at all. We're going to meet out in the grass in our front yard. And so we did that right here. We were teaching for six months out in our yards, in our yard and in the front yard of some of the village houses there. And we tried to use drama, and you can see some of the pictures that we were using in this in this video uh, picture. And uh, we tried to use a little bit of drama. In this case, we were teaching the the Last Supper of the Lord Jesus and all that was unfolding there, and we worked our way to the place where we were able to teach the death and burial and the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And guys, this is exciting. You have brothers and sisters in Christ out there in the jungle. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. And that's... So you're part of that. That is, you guys were part of this from the very beginning, from the first days. I wish I could introduce you to some of my friends, some of these young men in the yellow and white shirt, Yanis, and in the blue shirt, uh, Yaka. These two men became passionate about that. They would look over their shoulders and they'd say, now why isn't everybody believing this? We were duped by our ancestors. We were following a trail of lies. Now we see what God said and we believe it's true. And so these two young men were teaching and reteaching the message of the Bible as we were going on. And it was exciting in those first days to see there was a hunger for the word. About 20 people, not a big group, but they had a hunger for the word, and it was going good. But that's not the whole story, is it? You know that it wasn't that easy, do you? Don't you? (laughs) The enemy was not excited by what was going on out there, and I have to tell you the hard part of the story, too, the challenges, the difficulties that we ran into. And that was, I have to introduce you to this fellow right here. His name is Tawadamofi. Tawadamofi is one of the local witch doctors. Now, backing up a little bit, when he heard that we were going to start teaching the message of the Bible in January, I'm sorry, in June, on June 15th, I can't remember, I think it's June 12th, June 12th of 2005 there, now he told, he sent out an announcement to the whole village and he says, now I'm going to start a new spirit training class. I'm going to teach the message of the ancestors. I'm going to start this in a different area. I'm building a new, I'm going to build a new spirit house and I want all of the young men to come Help me build this house, and I'm going to teach the young men the ways of the ancestors. And then I want all the ladies to come, too, because I want them to cook food and get gardens going so that we'll have plenty of food to eat. This guy right here, you see, see, June 12 is the starting day of our our, uh, spirit animistic class. And I couldn't believe it. They didn't even have a calendar. They couldn't even have announced the day before we got there, you know. But he's like, no, the same day that we're going to start teaching the Bible, he is going to start doing the ancestral thing. And so... I hiked over to this new village and I talked with Tawadamofi and I said, what's going on here? You were part of that group that asked us as missionaries to come and live with you and teach you God's talk. What's going on? And he said, Jonathan, don't worry. He says, I got this covered. He says, I'm building a fence. Now he's talking about a spiritual fence, a fence all the way around Hewa territory. It's so that the evil spirits can't come inside. We'll never get sick and we'll never die again. He said, with this spiritual fence that I'm building, we'll always be successful with our hunts. We'll always have plenty of game. Our gardens will grow good. Things will be great. Don't worry, Jonathan, I got this covered. We'll even have protection from our enemies if I teach this message of the ancestors. And I said, Tauda, that's what you guys have been teaching to each other from the very beginning of your time. But now I'm bringing the message of the Bible, what God has to say, and I think you want to hear it. And uh, he says, oh, oh, I got that covered too. And he he pulled out of his bag a piece of this, <laughs> a broken piece of the Bible, like a, a portion, a torn off piece of the Bible. 
he held it out to me. He says, look at this. And I looked at it. It's King James English. And I said, oh, I didn't know you learned how, I didn't know you learned how to read English. And he said, no, don't worry about that. See, I'm going to teach the ways of the ancestors. And then at night, the ant, one of the spirits, the banana tree spirit, if you can believe that, a banana tree spirit is going to give me dreams and revelations. And I'm going to be able to understand what the message of the Bible has to say so I can teach both of them at the same time. Don't worry about it. I got it covered. How's that sound? Oh, my goodness. I went back to the village while he was teaching the young men, the young women, and everybody that was over there these, how to draw these pictures, how to make these planks, how to do um, animal sacrifices, blood sacrifices to the spirits so that they wouldn't get sick. Our hearts were torn. But that was going on while we were trying to teach the message of the Bible at our location. So people were coming and going, and we're only hearing parts of it, and it was disappointing. Well, that wasn't it. There was another problem. There was another group. It was one morning they were out in the airstrip beating their drums. And I didn't know what that was about. Went out there and found out, come to find out, they're beating their drums and they beat their drums all day, all the way till it got dark. And the next day they did the same thing. Got up early in the morning just as the sun was coming up. They beat their drums all day until the sun went down. They did it for a, a week. And then it went on for a second week and a third week and a fourth week. It went on for three months. And I was asking them at first, what's this all about? They wouldn't tell me, but I found out. They're, they wanted all the spirits of the jungle to be happy. All the spirits, the rock spirits, the tree spirits, the bush spirits, the water spirits, the dog spirits, the, every spirit that there is, they want all the spirits to be happy, including the God spirit, the one that we're coming to teach about. They want him to be happy too, because if all the spirits are happy, then their lives will be perfect. They'll never have trouble again. They'll never get sick and die again. They'll never have trouble with enemies and and they're again back to the idea of their gardens will always produce well and that so they're beating their drums out there for all the spirits to be happy and they started showing up to my office some they sent these young men out into the jungle and they would come back and they'd show me rocks and say look at these and i'd look at them and they'd say they're gold they're gold aren't they they thought we were there to help them become wealthy and so they were bringing rocks to us thinking that we were going to say aha you've discovered it you've discovered you know you're your ability to make wealth through gold. And so they were thinking of that. While we were teaching the message of the Bible, and we were talking about sin, we're in trouble with God because of our sin. They're not thinking about that, that they're in trouble with God. They're hoping that it, they're hoping that we'll give them the magic words, the secrets to becoming instantly wealthy. So we're talking about God and how he sent a savior so that we can have a relationship with God who will pay for our sins. But they're not listening to that. They're hoping for a chant. A certain chant or magic words or secret prayer or song or something that'll give them an end with God so that they'll become instantly wealthy. Ah, sounds kind of like some of our American brothers and sisters, doesn't it? Hoping that there's a way to use God to become wealthy. So that was going on and that wasn't it. There's another trouble. More trouble was brewing. A different group had moved into our tribe there, a neighboring language group. And they brought a lot of homemade guns with them. And they were continually pointing at the Hewa people. They were using their guns, um, uh, saying, you give us money, you give us pigs, or we'll kill you. We'll shoot you. Continually giving threats. And so a lot of the Hewa were caving to their demands and were giving payments of pigs and money. And these guys, you know, as soon as they got one pig or two or three or four or 15 or whatever, then they would stick around and again, continue to ask for more pigs and more money using their guns and continually threatening. So as we were teaching the Bible, it was hard to focus because there's this danger, this uh, risk uh, looming, always danger and trouble looming. But that wasn't it. There was another problem. 
and that was that they were getting sick and they were dying, some people. Like this casket right here is a lady who had given birth to her firstborn, her firstborn daughter. The, the lady died in childbirth. And the villagers were looking around and we had heard this idea that they thought that eternal life was possible here on this earth, but we didn't really realize the depth of that belief until this started happening. When somebody died and then another person died and another person died, they were going, what's going on here? We've heard the message of the Bible. We've heard the story of the Bible. We thought as soon as we heard that story, we would never die again. The Caucasian guy that brought us the Bible, those Caucasians there in America, they don't die. Why haven't they told us how we can stop dying? So they were all frustrated and upset, and the village leaders were getting together and saying, what's going on? It's like it was before the missionary got here. We're still dying. The evil spirits have discovered us and discovered how to kill us. They're eating our insides out. We learned the very worst part of their culture. We had seen examples of it, but this is the first time where it just came out in a huge way. They said, we know what's happening. There's evil spirits that are in ladies, inside of ladies over in these other villages, the village of Wailima or the vill these other villages. Fientua, and they sent raiders, young men, to those villages, and they started killing ladies and children that they thought had evil spirits that were causing sickness and death. Can you believe that? That was all happening after, well, before. It all happened since the time of their, their beginning, but it was continuing to happen even after we taught the message of the Bible. So here we are trying to draw people to the Lord and focus their attention on Him and talk about what true eternal life is and forgiveness of sins. And they're going ballistic, going crazy, going all this fighting and all this, you know, a killing of ladies and children hoping to live forever. And we were very fragmented, and it was hard to get people to focus on the message of the Bible until the day that... Thomas, my friend Thomas here, he got murdered in our front yard. The fighting was escalating. The tension was escalating until they killed Thomas in my front yard, only 50 feet from my front door there. And then when that happened, it just went into meltdown. The whole village went into all-out war. They're shooting arrows one way and the other way. They're shotgun, their homemade shotguns. They're blasting at each other. And they went into war, and we had to be taken out of there. We had to be evacuated out of the tribe that we had came to try to help rescue from this. And we couldn't believe it. We were in front of the Lord saying, now what? What do we do? It wasn't safe to live there. The war didn't just end in a day or a month or a year. It's continued. The tensions continue to go on. And so we were in town asking the Lord, what should we do? And we lost our final coworkers. They weren't able to live there either. And so they went into a different ministry, which... Praise the Lord. They have the gifts for leadership, and so they went into a leadership role, and things were going great. I mean, obviously, the Lord was directing them, but my heart was torn, and I was like, we can't just leave these guys now just because it's become hard. How do we do this? We're in front of the Lord just crying, saying, what do we do next? And I would take trips into the tribe to visit, uh, to try to disciple, and to try to continue on with translation. I'd leave Susan in the safety of town, and the kids were at, in the high school at town at that time. And uh, so then I would go in and I'd just be excited and hoping to make progress and hoping things were turning around and they weren't. And I'd come out with a lump in my throat and a tear in my eye going, God, how do we move forward with this? It's like a newborn baby. You can't just have a baby. And then because it's hard to raise a baby, just leave it somewhere and walk away, can you? We don't do that. Mothers, we don't do that with our babies. But that's, that's how I felt there too. I can't walk away. They're, a, they're babies in Christ and they need nurturing and and feeding so they can grow. 
And so we were asking the Lord, how do we progress? And one of the times where I came in there, I was talking to these young believers, the ones that did have a passion for the Lord, and saying, what do we do? And Yanni said to me, well, what about the village Kulufundu, the village of Kulufundu? We had carried medicine there before when there was an epidemic sweeping through the mountains. He says, don't forget that in the village of Kulufundu, they've been asking for the Bible too. And so he and I, we walked to this village again. It's two-day walk. It's a long ways. We hiked out there. And met with the village leaders and at Kulufundu, and we, I said, I know you've been asking for someone to come and teach you, but what is it that you want? What are you looking for? Now, I'm thinking back to what we had asked this question before, right? <laughs> what do you hope to get if a missionary moves here, you know? I asked Fado and the others, what do you hope to get? And he says, oh, Jontan. He says, I have seen the trouble that you've had there. I have seen how the ones at Fiawana have just played played with the gospel, like goofed around, fooled around with the gospel. He says, we've seen that, and I don't know what the message is, but I want to hear it. I want you to come and stay with us or send somebody to teach us the message of the Bible. We want to hear the story, and we're going we're gonna to listen. We're not going to get all wrapped up in trying to live forever and whatever it is that, you know, all the crazy stuff that went on over there. And so Yanis and I and Ken, the three of us, we started hiking in and out of there and just to check it out. We started with that idea of teaching a group how to read and write first, in preparation to teach the Bible. I would go in and help Yanis, but now he was the main teacher. I would go back out to town where Susan was, and uh, he was the main teacher, and things were going good, and I came in and would check on things and help stay around for a while. And uh, talking to Fado, one of the leaders there, I said, uh, uh, he was talking to me. He was saying, I'm so excited. You guys are teaching us. We're almost done learning how to read here, and I know you want to teach us the Bible. He says, but what about your wife? We want her to come and live with you too. And so I was thinking, oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely, I do. But, you know, she can't make that two-day hike. In fact, um, how in the world could she do that? And a helicopter is just outrageously expensive. I don't even know how to do that. And besides, we don't have any more money. I couldn't build a house out here with you. And I don't know what to do. And he says, a house? A house is your problem? He says, well, you figure out how to get your wife here, and I'll make you a house. And so we did. I chartered the helicopter, flew my wife in there, and this is the house he had prepared for us. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. He built, he and the boys, the young men, they built this little house for us, and we moved in. And, of course, that has some challenges. You can see the fire pit behind Susan's ankle there where we cooked our food and smoke and all that. So we're trying to continue with translation in there and everything with the smoke, and it's just playing havoc on our, you know, our electronics, our computer and stuff. But so we're moving forward, and we started... Again, the creation through Christ story. This time in two months, a more abbreviated version we taught from creation through Christ. And this time, Yanis and Ken were the main teachers, and I was doing support. And you know those guys? There's a group that believe the message of the Bible there. You have brothers and sisters in Christ out there in the jungle. Isn't that awesome? So the Lord used... <laughs> Praise the Lord. So... They surrounded Yanis, and they were continuing to learn and grow, and we had taught the death, burial, the resurrection, and now this, there's a small group out there that's meeting, and they're meeting every day. They're all excited about this, and it was just, it was really exciting and very cool, and we're pushing forward, and we finally decided, you know what, we'll go ahead and build a little house out here, because this is the kind of thing we were seeing every day. As we'd walk around the village, there's people that are gathered around the Word, some learning to read and write, still some just studying and trying to teach and reteaching in the daytime and at night. So we built this little house out there, a little 400-square-foot shack 
or mountain cabin, I guess you could call it, a little cabin in the mountains. And that's when we, that's when we left and came back here just a few years back, like three years ago, and kind of reported back to you the things that the Lord was doing there in Papua New Guinea and Hewa tribe. So while we were here, we were in the process of adopting our daughter, and that took a little longer than we thought, and we ended up being here for a whole two years, and we were kind of apprehensive. What are we going to see when we go back? We're praying for the Hewa and asking you to pray for them and ask that the Lord would just do miracles in their hearts and bring him to himself. And so when we went back, we were excited that this is what we saw. They're continuing to meet. In fact, they had built a little building there. They're like... Um, Yanis and Ken and others were continuing to teach. They had started more literacy programs. They were continuing on with everything that we had taught, and we were going, praise the Lord. So we brought our little girl back, and she started uh, joining the rest of the tribal girls right there. You can see she gave some dolls out, and they're just playing together. And uh, things were going good. Susan uh, took over a role again of like trying to develop a medical clinic that would be able to go on, sustain itself. So she's teaching young men the, how to diagnose simple sicknesses and how to administer simple medicines for that kind of thing. And I went back to translation, and we're moving forward and excited. And Feinbot, who you saw in just a little video clip there earlier, Feinbot came to me and he says, you need to come with me to the witch doctor's village. He says, you've got to see what's happening there. And I'd heard little snippets, but I was like, okay. So I came with him. We hiked out to the witch doctor's village. This guy who before had pulled people away from hearing the gospel. We went out there, and I started meeting with people. And here in the story, Feinbot, who had come to the Lord in 2008, Feinbot was teaching this a group of people at the witch doctor's village. He had, ta- he had taught them how to read and write, gone through the process. He had taught them from creation all the way, halfway through Romans. He had taught him through the Gospels, of course, and then Acts, and then all the way into Romans. And so we started interviewing people. You know, I wanted to find out, well, how's it going? You know, what are they thinking? And you know, there, was, there were 13 people that gave a clear profession of faith. It was so exciting. So we had a baptism, and it wasn't me that was baptizing. It was them, Yanis and and Ken and Feinbot and those guys, Fado here, also baptizing. And what's exciting about this is in this case, Yanis is baptizing his own father in this picture. Isn't that awesome? The Lord has gone. <laughs> Praise the Lord for that. And thank you for being part of this. And then Ken came to me and he says, you've got to come see what's going on in Wailima. So I hiked over there and was spent some time, mostly kids, but he had done the same thing. Taught him how to read and write and was teaching through the Bible. He had almost got to the death, burial, and resurrection, so we helped him teach that. And now you have brothers and sisters in Christ in Wailima. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. That is part of what you're doing. You are helping us, assisting us to be able to live in Papua New Guinea. You are praying for us. You are praying for the Hewa people, and that's a result. The Lord is building his church. But the guys came to us like Fado and said, you know, it's, and I've got to wrap this up. (laughs) He says, things are going good, but we need your help. We need you to come and help us build an airstrip because while you're gone, we can't. We don't have the ability to take care of ourselves. And so in the last year, not only did we push ahead with translation and push ahead with the things that we're doing there, teaching and discipling and all that, but we also built an airstrip and If I wasn't so uh, Gabby, I would have been able to show you the last picture. Sorry, I can't do that. I better sit down and be quiet. But guys, pray about it. Thank you for joining with us. Thank you for joining with the missionaries that are here. Thank you for being part of this effort. And maybe the Lord is moving you toward a ministry of some kind. Maybe you're like we were a few years back, and the Lord is just bumping you on to a different 
ministry. Take it, do it. There's risks, there's trouble, right? But the Lord wants to do something. He's building his kingdom. He wants to do that all over the world. And he's looking for people that will say, here am I, send me. So guys, if that's your interest, be sure and talk to one of these missionaries. Be sure and talk to the church staff. Be sure and come and talk to myself. Let's get a dialogue going. Let's talk about this, pray about this together. And I can't wait to see who else the Lord raises up to take the message of the Bible to a place it's never been. Thank you, guys. As we, uh, as we close today, we want to really give you an opportunity to respond to the Holy Spirit. Why don't you go ahead and stand up? We're about to close in prayer. Uh, as you stand, you, you probably noticed in your program there's a card, uh, kind of a formal response in there. If you're thinking, man, next time uh, there's a short-term mission trip I want to go or I want to get more in touch with missionaries, you can fill that card out. You can drop it in a bucket on your way out. But as we close in prayer, I want to really challenge you to respond to the way that the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. Uh, we tend to get hung up on the location, you know, that the further you go, the more committed you are. And it's true that it, you have to be really committed to go to a place like Papua New Guinea. What God's looking for is surrendered hearts. And I want to give you an opportunity today, maybe for the first time or maybe a time to recommit to say, you know what, I, I do surrender all. I will go wherever God sends me. I want to give you an opportunity today if you know, yeah, I am called to Prescott, but you know, are you being that intentional in Prescott? Are you being as intentional with your neighbors as, as you saw Jonathan and Susan being with theirs? And, and as we sing a closing song in a moment, I want to actually invite you to come forward and, and to walk that step of faith, stepping out and saying, God, I, I will follow you anywhere. If you keep me here, that's fine, but I will follow you anywhere. And for some of you, you have committed that in the past. And today the Holy Spirit is working in your heart to recommit that. When we sing in a moment, come on up here and physically for yourself, say, God, I am stepping out to follow you. Others of you in here, I want to challenge you with something that has sent a lot of missionaries to the field and sent me into being a pastor. And that's to say this, a lot of us say, you know, I'm going to go about my American life, and if God calls me, I'll go. I want to challenge you to flip that and say, I'm going to go. And if God makes it really clear that I'm supposed to stay, I'll stay. Because the reality is, in a room of this size, if you look at how the gospel is distributed around the world, it is God's will for some people in this room to go. And so maybe that's the thing that God's doing in your heart today, that you say, you know, uh, I've got my whole life ahead of me, or I've got a lot of my life behind me, but with the rest of my short life, I'm going to go until God directs me otherwise. Let me pray, and, and then please let the Spirit lead you forward here to surrender all, no matter what it means, no matter where it is, to say, God, I seek first your kingdom, your righteousness. Let's pray that together. Father, Lord, we are here because just like uh, Feinbod and these brothers and sisters we saw, Lord, we were just as lost in the darkness of our sin. Lord, while we were sinners, you died for us. You loved us first. And Lord, you have placed us here for a short time to go and tell the good news. Lord, today in our hearts, we recommit to be intentional, to be sacrificial, to seek first your kingdom 
Lord, some in here today right now, you are saying to them, you've been seeking first your own kingdom. I, I've been number two or three in your life. I've, I've, you have idols that you're seeking before me. Lord, Lord, for those of us who we, we repent from that, we turn our eyes and our hearts from that. We surrender all to you. Father, as we close in this closing song, I pray that, that your Holy Spirit would work in our hearts. A, a great recommitment that many of us would come to the front here and kneel and say, God, wherever you send. And Lord, if it's here, I'm, I'm totally surrendered. Make me intentional. Make me all in for you. And Lord, for others who are going to say today, I, I'm going to plan to go. I'm going to go until God redirects me. Lord, uh, do a great work in many of our hearts. We give ourselves to you. We pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.